Major Lindsay in Africa presents Between the Legal Lines, a podcast focused on leading women lawyers who have pushed beyond the boundaries and found success. Welcome to Between the Legal Lines. My name is Andrea Bricka and I am your host. This podcast is a series of monthly interviews where we explore how women, who happen to also be both executives and lawyers, navigate the boundaries placed upon them due to their role and their demographic. These women have found success, despite those sometimes very narrowly drawn lines that govern what is acceptable and what is not. And each month we hear a new story from a different woman about what that is like. Joining me today is Phyllis Gilland, Senior Vice President and General Counsel at Golden Entertainment. Phyllis, welcome to Between the Legal Lines, and thank you for joining me today. Could you please tell us a little about who you are, about your current role, and how you got there? Yes, thanks, Andrea. I appreciate you having me um, in this esteemed uh, uh, series of podcasts, so thank you very much. I am General Counsel, Compliance Officer, and Corporate Secretary for Golden Entertainment, Inc. We are a company that has uh, 10 casinos, 66 taverns, and works with approximately 1,000 slot routes where we provide gaming services to those um, 1,000 locations. We are in uh, operating in four states at the moment, so some days it's very interesting position. You have a lot of responsibilities. Some are not purely legal. How do you juggle everything? That's a very good question. I am I'm still trying to learn that. I have to tell a quick note. Um, I will tell you that anybody who's listening will continue and always to learn from experience. As I get older, I uh, keep wishing that I learned a little less from experience, but I would say that it's very important to have organizational skills it's very important to have good and sophisticated help. Um, we have a very unique department. Everybody has uh, is on the same playing field, same level. My admin is just as equally as important as my paralegals or my compliance people or AML, etc. So I really have what I hope to be high standards for my team. That doesn't mean that we are not having fun and doing some fun things and we don't take things lightly on occasion. However, I do anticipate and expect a high standard among my team. It really helps. Everybody pitches in. We have a motto of big motto of big or small, you do it all. So if somebody has to run copies, they run copies. If somebody has to do something else, they manage that. Um, but I really look to hire people who have a skill set that is going to outshine me, and hopefully they will be very successful. I am very proud of the fact of having mentored quite a few people who have gone on to be very successful, and I look for that capability in my team. So you haven't mentioned it yet, but you came from a very different kind of background before your current role. You've worked in a variety of industries. How did you handle transitioning to new industries and what were the opportunities and challenges as a lawyer making a switch to a different industry? 
That's a very interesting question. I think most of them I fell in. I literally was sitting one day in, in my chair as an associate counsel for Principal Financial Group, and the CEO said, do you know anything about uh, transactions? And I had been with KPMG, so I knew a little bit about finance and financing and transactions. And I said, sure. And he said, well, good, you need to be in Brazil tonight. So I went to Brazil that night. Um, varied industries. I've been in the banking industry. I've been in the gaming industry. I've been in the insurance industry. And I've been in the construction industry. All very regulated. All very um, heavily uh, have heavy requirements of not only regulations, but codes and formalities. So I think that learning subject matter is the odd person out. You know how to read a tax code, you know how to read a regulation code, but spend some time. I think it's very, very important. Spend some time with your business people. If you have the opportunity to jump into a new industry, it's very, very important to have spend time with your business people. For example, on the casino floor, I've spent time with the gaming people, the table games people, the slot machine people, the marketing people, the accounting people, the social media people. Spend time, get to know their business. They will not respect you or won't look to you, won't bring you in on the front end of projects if you don't know their business. I would also add, if anybody's listening to this while they're still in their learning phase, and I'm talking about college or law school or any other learning opportunities, please learn some accounting, please learn some background in business. Uh, MBAs are helpful. I have an accounting degree. I found that to be very helpful. But take some time to learn business models, business functions, return on investments, because this is what your people as an in-house counsel are looking for. If you say no all the time, you're just not going to be an effective counsel. So I would say the ability to learn quickly, the ability to have some broad background in finance, accounting, um, business, anything, startups that you can get, take every opportunity you can to find those chances and work through them. They'll make you a better lawyer in a business setting. Has any one person been particularly helpful in your career? Yes, I have to go back to the CEO that literally, he's, by the way, he's six foot nine. We traveled the world together and mostly Asia. And he would show up at my desk and say, you have to be in Brazil tonight. You have to be in Tokyo tomorrow. But that hard work I put in was very beneficial. I became the international general counsel for principal financial group through all that effort. And that really opened a lot of doors for me. So I would say um, that CEO from principal financial group also who was, who was a male um, had no care whether you were a female or male, just do a really good job. And I will give you that advice all day long. Also, uh, when I was at KPMG, um, I had a, a senior manager, office manager, I guess I should say, the whole office manager, and he got himself in trouble at one point, and I was the person he picked to get him out of it. So then I'd known I'd made it. 
um, it was with the IRS and it was kind of fun. We had a very successful result, but after that it was a very collaborative relationship. So take all opportunities, opportunities that you can to assist your counterparts. It's very important because you never know who's going to be a mentor. And by mentor, I mean somebody you literally know is pushing you along or who's going to be in what I call a sponsor, where you may never know that they say nice things and say, um, go get Andrea, go get Phyllis. They can do the job because they've seen you do such a good job and work hard. I think those are very important. You may never know literally who is pushing for you. So you need to have that goal for yourself to be successful, smart. And I would also say get opportunities to become involved in group efforts. If there's a project that's coming up, ask to sit in. You may be very careful with what you offer as advice. You may be very careful as how much you speak. They may or may not be really interested in that point at your opinions, but you're going to learn a lot from just listening. So take every opportunity you can. So you talked about colleagues and working as a team. Could you please talk about the interaction you have seen between yourself as a GC, maybe even other GCs, and other executive team members, such as the CFO, the CHRO? Where do these relationships intersect, and what do you think are the most effective approaches to these interactions? Well, I can tell you as a general counsel, the most important advice I can give is your clientele rarely changes. It's not like a law firm where you do, you know, 50 lawsuits and you see different people each month or even each week. Your your clientele as a general counsel never changes. So if you have an attitude that is not business promotion, you will have a problem. You need to garner respect. You need to be smart. You need to do your homework and you need to do all those background things I talked about so that you know their business. The CEO certainly does. The CFO certainly does. And the human resources officer certainly knows their people. I would never expect to jump right into a building and be everybody's best friend. But again, have each other's back. Stand up for each other. When you make a mistake, admit it, fix it, hurry up and do that. Offer opportunities but support them. I found in a prior position that the CFO and I were constantly at odds. So I chose a path of excluding him where possible, <laughs> not effective. It was funny because everybody got tired of it, including me. I started to invite this man to every event I ever had that had to do with legal or finance. We're now extremely close, do a ton of work together, have each other's backs. So take, take a view of the situation you're in and you may need to flip the script. Sometimes it is important to include people. You don't know their motivations. You don't know what they need to know. Surprises are not a good thing at that level. Bring them into the loop. Admit your weaknesses. I do not know everything. I've been doing this a long time, so I think I have directional advice. Sometimes I have to say, go get outside counsel. Sometimes I have to say, let's talk to the CFO. Sometimes I have to say to HR, help me out of this. But 
at the same time, cultivate those relationships so that you're giving and taking and not just taking. It's very, very important to understand that you may need to back down occasionally. You may need to take somebody to lunch, say, hey, whoops, my bad. You may need to say, what can we do to have a better relationship? But I think it's very important to cultivate those relationships and generally not having somebody be blindsided, including them, makes you included and makes the group make a much better decision. Switching gears a little bit, what have you learned about leadership from the COVID crisis? That is an extremely interesting question. I learned who can lead and who can't. (laughs) It's um, we have had since March 16th of last year, we have had almost a new regulation law requirement mandate reporting requirement literally every two weeks to every month. It, I have seen literally seen some senior people run away. It's very difficult to manage when there's confusion, when there is conflicting rules, when there are no rules, when the rules are made up as everybody's going on the fly. And I can guarantee you they were made up on the fly. The, the COVID rules that we're under today are very different. According to the CDC, if you look back a year ago, very different. So interpreting and much of what a general counsel does is head over to the COO and who is screaming, what can I do today? What can I do today? And you, and you don't know either, but you have to give some guidance. So I, I have seen people who felt they were in senior positions, unable to provide that guidance, go and search for positions where they felt more comfortable in the role they were playing, which was more defined. I feel there's no harm in that. I think everybody should do something that they're very capable of. But leadership is the ability to make a decision on the fly, make a risk assessment to make that decision on the fly, not get crazy when somebody is yelling and screaming, they don't know what to do within the next five minutes because that's when everybody's waiting to get in the door, but to show steady strength. So I do feel it has increased leadership. It has certainly increased my relationships with CO, CHRO, COO. And whereas they may have gone about business previously, now they're asking what they can do before they do it, mostly. (laughs) (laughs) What, if anything, do you wish you were freer to say or do at work? And why can't you? Um, that's another very good question. I think that it's very important to understand your audience. I believe that you have to, if you scream all the time, people will stop listening. If you are wishy-washy all the time, people will stop listening. I think you need to make decisions about risk assessment, not do you have to discuss every single issue that ever comes up. I find that I would like to banter more, but 
really they aren't looking for necessarily the general counsel to banter more in many situations, especially meetings. They're looking for you to have some definite guidance and opinions. I find that taking things offline, saying, do not be afraid to say, I'll get back to you. Having conversations one-on-one -on -one gives me the opportunity to say things that I wouldn't say in a group. And I do believe, I really don't care again if it's male or female. I believe that you need to appear to be strong, understanding, intelligent. And if you waste those opportunities by babbling, getting off subject, those kinds of things, I think you uh, waste your opportunities to have that respect that you're going to need when it really matters. So I don't know that there's a lot I can't say. I choose my delivery methods and I choose my timing and I choose how I find my information so that when it's important, I've got the audience in a position to listen. What's been stronger during your career, the restraints you place on yourself or restraints placed upon you by other people? Wow. I think probably, and I'm going to make the first woman comment I've made, I think probably as a woman, I have placed more restraints on myself. They're not necessarily work restraints because I got up out of my chair and went to Brazil that night and I've been to every country I've been to, you know, I went alone. I did not place any restraints on myself. I don't believe I placed any business restraints on myself. It takes a lot of work. Some of the restraints are your own. I have been known to procrastinate. Sometimes I have to come in at 6 a.m. to get up to speed. Um, the restraints I place on myself are some of the things I've learned to quit doing. I will make mistakes. You will make mistakes. Fess up immediately. Go make it right before somebody screams or yells or tells you to go make it right. It's much better to have, be able to say, I've already fixed it. Here's some ideas. I've thought about it. Also, just thinking about it all night, not sleeping well, I found that maybe I was the only one doing that, whereas everybody else the next day got to work and was chipper and ready to go fix it or do whatever or make inroads, didn't really think about me all night. I think women do that to some extent. We sweat the details. I believe very strongly in sitting down at your desk and jumping one foot hurdles at a time and trying to progress. It's very important to get work done. So I think some of those restraints are things I've put on myself uh, more than in my career. So I've, I've been extremely lucky in my career. I started at KPMG and I was the only woman I do have to tell one quick story. I was the only woman. I was accepted almost immediately because the first night I was there, they asked if I wanted to go to the strip club with them. This was 1985. So you do have to roll with the punches. So I think I've put my own restrictions on instead of uh, my colleagues. But I do think it's very important that they know that you have knowledge. So go out and get that. 
Did you have fun at the strip club? I didn't go. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to tell us you went, fellas. No. You know what? I, there are discretion. There's a statement. Discretion is the better, better part of valor. Sometimes I, sometimes it's okay to say, by the way, I already have plans. I, that, that is an aside that I think is very important as a woman. I do play golf. I play golf well. I, I have never been excluded from golf. I do think that there's certain things that you need to, to do. You do need to roll with the punches a little bit. I don't think you should take abuse. I don't think you should take bullying. I don't think you should take any of those things, but you do have to live with people. I Maybe because I grew up with three brothers, I don't notice it, but the reality is, is you do have to live with people. I really don't see it in the workplace. I, I laugh about 1985. I do not see that in the workplace right now. I would be shocked if that happened today. But there are little things. If you feel excluded from lunch, go ask the COO to go to lunch with you. If you feel excluded from a meeting, ask if there's any way that you can become involved. Can I do something for you? I firmly believe that if you sit back and wait, you'll sit, be sitting back and waiting. It'd be great to have a sponsor, great to have a mentor, but they do their jobs as well. So take opportunities. If somebody says no, don't be hurt. Find out why and tell them that you'd like an opportunity the next time it's available. Help out, go do some of the voluntary things, go to events with people. If they're having a, a fundraiser, go to the event. You, you cannot sit back and expect to be included. That's an aside that I think is very important. So data continues to show a gender pay gap for most legal roles, particularly the GC role. Do you have any thoughts on how we can close that gap going forward and how we get more women into the GC seat? Well, I think that it's closing a bit. I think that you have to speak up when you find a new position. I think you have to make decisions. The economy has been so crazy in the last few years, but I think you do have to make decisions whether you'll accept a pay position. I see men accept positions that aren't high paying. I see women accept positions that aren't high paying the, the gap. I believe that some of the new regulations are going to change that whenever it has to be reported. I think that you do have to speak up, particularly on the way into a new company. If you don't ask, you're unlikely to get, I have literally heard people say, well, she's not much effort. So, but you get a lot of work out of her. So, you need to be not that's not specifically about me, but about anybody. So you do have to vote for yourself, as my mother used to say, or nobody else will. I think that the new laws, which are going to require like type positions to be noticed, male, female. I see more women GCs in the gaming industry right now because it is a diversity play. It's an interesting diversity play. I've seen companies request women in that position. I think if you look, you'll see more and more women in that position. I think some of the backgrounds that women have 
have been more broad because we've had to jump around a little bit. So I'm seeing that gap close to some extent. How do we get more women in the GC seat? You have to ask, again, I'm very big on asking and, and looking for opportunities. I had recently a um, counterpart in the Global Gaming Women organization um, that I belonged to and was president of for some time come to me and she had been at a very large company and she had been only working in litigation for seven years. She wanted to have a, a GC career path. Very difficult if you get yourself locked into one subject matter. Maybe if you were locked into the operations side, but if you get yourself locked into, for example, only litigation or only uh, intellectual property or only patents or only real estate, you may have an issue becoming a general counsel. So I think that you need to take opportunities and sometimes that might require a step back. I literally had this person, woman say to me, she wanted X salary um, and, but she wanted all these other opportunities and she was never going to get it because she was literally had been doing only litigation for 10 years, you have to maybe sometimes take a step back to take a step forward. So understanding the environment, understanding your capabilities, reaching out to people to understand what the economy is doing. I actually ended up placing this woman with one of the larger companies here. She, she got in the door as litigation and she will have an opportunity with that company to see and do many other things just by the nature and style of the company. So know what you're looking for and, and what the economy and what the market allows. I don't think it's any different than selling your house. If you think your house is worth a million and it's only worth 200,000, it's very difficult to get the million. So be prepared for your opportunities and, and go out and speak with people and, become educated. So you've offered a lot of stories and advice that are great. What parting advice would you offer to other ambitious women about workplace behavior? Boy, I've seen a lot of those. <laughs> um, I think I have to go back to understand the business, understand finance, go provide yourself those opportunities, whether it's going back to get an MBA, whether it's taking an accounting class, whether it's going to something like global gaming women, or whether it's taking the classes in your company that they offer for leadership, public speaking, how to deal with crazy people um, or difficult employees as the case may be. Whatever you can find some education. I think it's really important to understand your limitations and broaden your background. I also think that you need to show your ambition by work and hard work. I don't mean staying up all night, coming in every single day, but smart hard work. I don't think you can walk around and tell people you wanna be the next COO without putting in that work. That is a major discount to your capabilities. Put in the time, put in the effort. I 
also see people hitch their stars to certain people. It's important, I believe, to follow somebody in terms of their mannerisms, in terms of their presentation, in terms of their capabilities with dealing with other people. I have seen women follow people from company to company that may not be successful. I think you, again, need to understand your opportunities. Don't go in blind and keep your eyes open, find mentors that you like and make decisions that uh, you feel are educated. Phyllis, thank you so much for joining me today. This has been Between the Legal Lines, where you have just heard from Phyllis Gillen, Senior Vice President and General Counsel at Golden Entertainment. I am Andrea Bricka from Major Lindsay in Africa. Thank you for listening. Join us next time for a new story from another woman successfully operating between the legal lines. If you have a story you would like to share, please contact me at abricka at mlaglobal.com. Thank you. Discover how Major Lindsay in Africa can help you navigate the legal landscape at www.mlaglobal.com.